Happy New Year. I've, um, I've chatted to some of you in the last few Sundays as I've said hi and hope your summer was good and all that kind of stuff, but um, this is my first time back up here for this year, even though it's already February 10th, so it's been a good break though. Um, but if I haven't chatted to you, Happy New Year, um, and also Happy Chinese New Year. For those of you who have been celebrating Chinese New Year this week, hope it's been a wonderful time of celebration, welcoming the Year of the Pig, and um, yeah, hope it's been very cool. So Happy New Year twice uh, over. It's very cool to be with you today. Hey, this morning is Vision Sunday, and our Vision Sunday is when we take some time to look ahead at the year. We don't uh, tend to do like a, a sermon from the Bible which is what we do most other times. It's actually about kind of setting the the tone and the vision for the year and sharing what's going on. And today, um, there's actually a lot that's going to be happening this year, but there's just two key things that I'm going to be sharing with you uh, this morning. One of them is our new church name. Kind of dropped a hint on that the last couple of weeks, uh, but we've been through a process and I'm going to be sharing the results of that with you today. And the other key thing today is a new discipleship strategy that we're embarking on, which I want to begin the explanation of, and then we'll we'll go through here. So I think we'll start with the church name, though, shall we? Would that be cool? All righty. So in July of last year, uh, we began a process and talked about that here, uh, that we were going to be renaming and rebranding ourselves as a church. And the reason for that is that earlier last year, we started a small congregation in Hastings in the Hawke's Bay, led by Harataki and Shona Manahera. And um, so that little fledging church congregation has got underway. Uh, They had their first person trust in Jesus towards the end of last year. They had their first baptisms right before Christmas. And it's still uh, smaller than a lot of our community groups are here but it's underway nonetheless. Um, But the planting of that little congregation meant that because we're talking about ourselves as one church in two locations, um, the name Botany Life doesn't really work in Hawke's Bay when they're not in Botany. And uh, and so that meant we decided that we were going to rebrand. And so we held in July a couple of what we call creative brainstorming sessions, invited people to come and brainstorm or email suggested names. We ended up with over 300 names. Uh, sent to us, some of which, like Unicorn Church and Trump Church, we immediately discarded. Um, But we did try and keep a number of them in. We actually uh, culled them down to about 25 to 30 names that we thought had possibility. And then we took those to uh, what we call a leadership cafe night. So we gathered about 50 or 60 of our wider leadership here uh, in the church and gathered them together on an evening and um, gave some coffee and dessert to kind of get the creative juices going and said, okay, we want to give you these names, give us feedback, get in groups, talk about them. And out of that process, we ended up with uh, six names that kind of had risen to, to the top of the pile. And we then spent some time as the, the senior leaders of the church, so that's the elder couples and the pastoral couples together, we then spent some time in what we call our shepherding meetings Uh, where we meet once a month anyway for Bible study and prayer, and we devoted some of those meetings to the discussion around a name. And I'm I'm an eternal optimist. So, you know, the glass half full, it's half full, half empty. I look at that glass and think it's three quarters full. That's just the way I'm built. So I thought it would be a quick process. And it actually took us longer than than we thought, than I thought in my optimisticness. And I was actually having a coffee with my parents in October, and uh, they just casually asked, oh, you know, have you guys arrived at a name yet? And I said no. 
And I just came up with an, anal an analogy uh, with mum and dad that was actually quite helpful that I've then used since. But the analogy is, you know, sometimes when couples are going to have a new baby, sometimes you arrive at a name relatively easily together, but sometimes it's pretty hard for two people um, to agree on a new name for, for that infant. Well, we had 18 mums and dads in a room together, and we weren't naming a new baby. We were renaming a teenager. And, and so it actually did take longer than we thought, but I actually want to pay tribute to our elder and pastor couples in this church because we had some incredible discussions that were very, very robust. There was some some real disagreement in the room over names, as you'd imagine. But there was also tremendous unity and a great deal of love and commitment to each other and, and real care to not hurt each other while we debated. And some incredible listening where, where different ones would say, I'm not seeing why you like that name, but can you help me understand what it is you see in that? And I just thought that the amount of maturity in the room through this process has been amazing. So I actually do want to just pay tribute to the elders and pastors as couples who were all involved in the process together. The senior leadership of our church is incredible, and it's a privilege to work with them. So anyway, we finally did come to an agreement on a name that we've all come around and are passionately enthusiastic for now in November, and we've just spent the last few months working with a a graphic designer uh, who's a Christian um, to come up with uh, a logo and some branding stuff that goes with that. So with all of that, do you want to know who we are? All right, here we go. Ready? Three, two, one. Are you sure you want to know? <laughs> I just, I just want to make sure. All right, I'm sorry. I just, you know, I like playing around. Okay. We are from today going to be called Summit Church. And it's Summit Church Botany, and then the logo gets changed out for the church in Hastings that becomes Summit Church Hastings. And uh, it's a name that ended up rising to the top from among all of the names that we considered. And um, again, there was some really cool discussion around it, but we feel like this name captures something of, of who we are as a church. So let me explain a little bit why. So why Summit Church? How did we come to that name? Um, five real key reasons. Number one, it's very Kiwi. Um, for us, a core part of the Kiwi identity is the great outdoors. And whether you're talking about uh, taking the ferry across the summer and climbing the slopes of Rangatoto, uh, whether, as we do, when you have new visitors come from overseas, we immediately, one of the first things we do with people from overseas is we take them to one of the volcanic summits. We take them up One Tree Hill or Mount Eden. And this is Auckland. This is what it looks like. You go to Hawke's Bay, you have to go up to Mata Peak outside of Hastings. That's just where you go. And summits are part of the, the landscape of New Zealand that we are well known for right around the world. And whether you're talking volcanoes, uh, hills, or the majestic mountains of the Central Plateau and the Southern Alps, the great outdoors and, and summits and tramping, and it's just part of what it means to be in New Zealand and to be a Kiwi. Whether you were born here, whether you've emigrated here, this is part of uh, the landscape of our country. It's part of the Māori culture that we're part of as well. When you uh, give your identity and who you are, one of the things that you use to establish who you are is your mountain. 
And uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's this Kiwi idea of a summit um, that's really part of the fabric of our nation. And so whether you are climbing Rangatoto, whether you are hiking across the Tongariro Crossing, whether you're a guy called Edmund Hillary scaling the tallest mountain in the world, uh, summits are part of, of who we are as a nation. And so we feel like coming up with a name like Summit Church is really anchoring us in the soil of Aotearoa, uh, New Zealand. So it's a real Kiwi kind of name with a Kiwi connotation. Secondly, it's, um, it's real, really got strong biblical connotations. I was surprised, actually, when we started looking at this name in particular, to just do a sweep through um, the biblical narrative and to realize how much or how many of the, the most famous stories of the Bible take place on the summit of a hill or the summit of a mountain. Uh, the photo here is the possible site of Mount Sinai, where Moses, as having led uh, the nation of Israel out of captivity in the book of Exodus, climbs to the summit of this mountain, and God descends to the summit, and there meets with Moses, and Moses comes down with the tablets of the Ten Commandments. Or you think of uh, the prophet Elijah uh, going to the summit of Mount Carmel, and they're doing battle with the prophets of Baal. You go to the life of Jesus, and he is transfigured before three of his disciples, and they see the wonder of his glory on what we call the Mount of Transfiguration. And all the way through the Bible, there's these different key events. God often, not always, but often is meeting with his people on the summit of hills and the summits of mountains. In fact, there's this beautiful prophecy in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 25, looking at the end of time the, when the kingdom of God has come to earth and, and eternity has been ushered in. And the invitation is to come and eat on the mountain of God, to enjoy a banquet in eternity with God on his mountain. And so from beginning to end in Scripture, mountains, summits play a part in the biblical narrative as well. Thirdly, we think the name Summit Church is really aspirational. So when we use this name, we are not imagining us standing on the top of a summit thinking we have arrived. And so we look down on everyone who hasn't made it to where we are yet. Rather, it's the sense of that the summit is where we're going. It's, it's where we're headed. And often in life, we'll use that terminology. We'll talk about the next hill that we're trying to go after. We use that kind of uh, thinking when we're talking about the challenges in life. And actually in life, uh, life is really a series of challenges. It's a series of summits that we are climbing in our lives. And so there's this real aspirational kind of component to it. And that's why, by the way, the, the logo has been developed as it is. So it's this idea of a summit. In fact, uh, there's another summit there in white, kind of cutting off the first one. But with this pathway in the shape of an S, kind of heading to the top. Because it's about this aspirational journey, this next challenge that we're on together. So it's, it's aspirational. Uh, fourthly, it's communal. This was actually a point that Harataki uh, made to me. Um, they were involved in the process and the selection of the name. Summit Church was the name that Harataki and Shonen most loved through the process. But it was Harataki who said to me, it's, it's a real communal name. And I, I hadn't thought of that to begin with. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you can climb something on your own. You know, you can take the ferry by yourself and climb Rangatoto if you want to. You know, you can wander up Pigeon Mountain this afternoon if you're really feeling like it. Um, you know, some mad suckers probably climbed Everest by themselves. But actually, when we are going to summit something, whether it's a leisurely stroll 
up one of the volcanoes for a view, whether it's doing the Tongariro crossing or hiking to the pinnacles, you can do it alone, but generally we don't. Generally, we summit things together. We do that in community. You know, most of the time, even if someone, a mountaineer, tries to scale a peak by themselves, generally there's still a massive team around them, helping them get to that last launching point for that last final step. And Harataki's point was that actually there's this real communal sense because if you're going to go to Hastings and climb Tamata Peak, you'll probably do it with Harataki and Shona or with someone else that you're with. If you're going to go across to Rangatoto, um, you'll probably be doing that as, as, as a family or as a group of friends because there's something about uh, climbing a summit together. And so there's this real communal aspect. And then finally, we like it because it's informal. At the end of the day, no one's ever going to climb a summit in a three-piece suit or a cocktail dress and heels. Um, when you're going out into the great outdoors, you're dressed casually, you're relaxed, you've got on you know, good boots or decent walking shoes and you've got casual gear on, you're not worried about how you look, guys, you're not concerned about your makeup or hair, you know, it's just, oh, this is a joke, um, it's, it's relaxed, it's informal, it's casual. And in a sense, that's who we are. And in fact, when, uh, when I was over in Nepal in April and um, a number of the pastors there, the only massive technology they've got is smartphones and half the pastors in Nepal we were teaching downloaded our church app. But I had to say to them, um, actually, if you're going to look at watch sermons from our church, just understand that sometimes through the summer I'll be dressed in shorts and a T-shirt and what we call jandals. And I said, you know, because over there you're in a, you know, nice trousers and a nice shirt. And I said, New Zealand is very casual. It's very relaxed. So you may look at that and think, oh, why is he dressed like that? Because that's our culture. And we like the fact that that Summit Church has that. The great outdoors, it's, it's relaxed. You're dressed informally and that's part of, for us, this come-as-you-are culture in, in our church. And so we feel like for all of those reasons, this name really works for us, really epitomizes who we are. Uh, as a church. And so we're going to be Summit Church uh, Botany and Summit Church Hastings. And if in the future God leads us to maybe plant some other congregations around Auckland or somewhere else, then so be it. But, but that's our new name. And uh, I'm excited about it. We've been using it as a staff now for a couple of months, kind of in-house when no one else is there, uh, trying to talk about Summit Church and get used to using the name. And I hope that it'll, uh, it'll grow on you uh, over the years too. Um, this morning, Mel in our kids' ministry is introducing them to this name as well. And our kids' ministry going forward is going to be known as Summit Kids. And so if you've got uh, children out in our kids' program at the moment, they're going to be getting some postcards explaining um, the new area, where they're going to go and what they're going to be called, because all of the botanic names uh, are being flushed down the dunny. And so it's kind of all new out there. So if you've got kids, make sure you ask them about the new name and what's going on down there. That would be good. Uh, this is the last week. Someone actually mentioned to me when they walked in this morning holding their bulletin and saying, this is the last week of this bulletin, isn't it? And it is. So if you want to take the bulletin home today and frame it and put it on your wall, then by all means do that. But next week there'll be a new bulletin. Uh, we're hoping in a few weeks' time there'll be all new signage everywhere. The Botany Life flags are going today. We're taking them away, so we'll have some temporary signage for a few weeks until we get brand new signage out there. Uh, hopefully our new website will be online by the end of the week, 
And so, yeah, we'll just be rolling out the changes uh, over the coming, the coming weeks or so. So that's Summit Church. That's the new name. Hope you like it. I'm excited. I think it's pretty cool. Right. All righty. The other thing uh, that I want to talk about and take a little bit longer on actually this morning is uh, the new discipleship strategy. Discipleship's a, a funny Christian word. Um, a disciple in the Bible was a follower of a rabbi. So you think a student to a teacher or an apprentice to a master. And so we read in the New Testament, in the Gospels especially, the stories of Jesus about the disciples. And that was a group of men and women who, who chose to follow Jesus as their teacher and rabbi, listening and, and implementing his teaching, but even more following the pattern of his life. And out of those, that big group of disciples, there were 12 chosen ones that he named apostles, but we often use, that's who we're talking about when we say the disciples. But really, a disciple is a follower of Jesus, someone who has chosen to commit their lives to Jesus and to live under his teaching and follow his leadership and lordship. And so if you are a Christian, if you've committed your life to Jesus, you're a disciple. You're a follower of Jesus. And so discipleship is simply the process of following Jesus, of being his follower and walking with him. Um, and discipleship, a, a strategy around that, is one of the key things that we wanted to implement in our Multiply vision. Multiply is our 15-year vision uh, that we introduced a couple of years ago here in our church, and it's, it's quite big in terms of just multiplying in, in, in various ways the grace of God over the next 15 years. But what we did with that is we said in these next three years, the first three years of this, we want to do just a few key things. We want to uh, bring much more of a culture of prayer into our church. We really want to grow our outreach as a church, and we want to develop what we call the discipleship pipeline. And so two years ago in 2017, we really went after the prayer idea and really spent a whole year focusing in and trying to grow a, a greater culture of prayer in our church. And then last year, we switched the focus into outreach, and we started talking with a theme around love right where you are, and we were really spending a lot of time talking about raising the evangelistic temperature. And we've still got a fair way to go on both of those, but I feel like as we really pushed and moved into those things, we actually really have grown as a church of prayer and have grown uh, as a church that's raising its evangelistic temperature. I was excited through last year to, to have a number of conversations with people about um, the conversations you were having with family members and work colleagues and stuff. Really stoked to meet um, different neighbours and friends who, who were coming to church that, that various members of our church are just invited to come along. And it does feel like the evangelistic temperature is just rising in our church, which is fantastic. And we want to keep going with that. We want to continue to grow a culture of prayer and to raise the evangelistic temperature. But this year, we want to switch to the third key part of that vision, which was what we called then a discipleship pipeline. But we're moving away from that more to now what we're calling a strategy. The idea of a pipeline is, is the idea that you, you, take some, you develop this process where you take some people and you pop them in one end and you grow them over a year or two years or three years or however long the time period is, and then they pop out looking exactly like Jesus. And um, that's the way most churches just look at and talk about discipleship. But as we've worked on this on the past year, we've got increasingly uncomfortable with that idea. Um, because, to be honest... 
None of us have popped out looking like Jesus yet in the various churches and journeys that we've been on. Um, The fact is that if we are a follower of Jesus, we are his disciple all the way through life. And we're on this continual journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. So whether you've only been a follower of Jesus for a few weeks or months, or whether you've been following Jesus for years, or in some cases in our church for decades and decades, none of us have arrived yet. None of us are fully like Jesus. And so what we've done is we've moved away from the idea of a pipeline, that we've got this thing and we're going to shove you in one end and two years later you're going to just pop out like Jesus. And we've dispensed with that and instead we've developed the strategy that we want to share today or begin to share today that's actually about helping all of us, wherever we are on our journey, to become more like Jesus. And so we want to roll that out this year, but really it's going to become a key part of the life of our church, hopefully for many years to come. And so let me share that with you. What we're, we're calling it Summit Journey. And see, the idea is, again, playing into our new name, that this is part of the journey. One of the, the summits in our lives, uh, one of the challenges for us is to increasingly become more like Jesus. And we've, we've kind of called this Your Discipleship Adventure. And so Summit Journey is about each of us, if we have committed our lives to Jesus, becoming more like Jesus and being on this adventure of following him through our lives. But it's your adventure. Because at the end of the day, it's your job to become more like Jesus. It's not our job as a church to drag any of us along kicking and screaming. It's not the job of the church to help me become more like Jesus. The primary responsibility for my discipleship is me. The primary person who needs to be motivated and excited about becoming more like Jesus is me. And our job as a church is actually to come alongside all of us and help each of us take ownership for our journey and and help each of us to grow, but it actually needs to start with us. So that's why we've used this phrase, your discipleship journey. And the key question that we're going to be asking, and this is going to become my question as I just, you know, chat and hang out and talk to you after a Sunday and maybe bump into your Botany Town Centre or whatever, this is going to become my question this year. How are you planning to intentionally become more like Jesus this year? How are you planning to intentionally become more like Jesus this year? Because that's the goal. One of the things we're going to talk about through this uh, series that's going to start out of this process is that uh, the goal it was of, of God saving us uh, through Jesus was not simply to save us and get us to heaven. It was actually to save us and then begin this process of transformation so that we would become more like Jesus. And so as a body of, of Christ, the body of the church, the body of Jesus, we would become a whole army of men and women who are more and more like Jesus, impacting our community and our culture around us. God didn't save us just to get us to heaven, although the hope of heaven is a wonderful part of of the, the whole gospel message. A key part of this is that he wants to change me, and he wants to change you, and he wants us to cooperate in that journey. But the goal is to become more and more and more like Jesus. So Paul wrote, for example, in Colossians chapter 1, He, which is Jesus, is the one we proclaim, admonishing or urging and teaching everyone 
with all wisdom, so that, here's the purpose, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That was the whole goal of Paul's ministry, that he would present, be able to present each person that he met with and talked to and led to Jesus, bring them on, continue this journey to become more and more like Jesus. That's the goal. In fact, he would write in another letter to Philippians 3, the verses that Robin just read to us earlier. Uh, This one thing I do, Paul says, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heaven when in Christ Jesus. In other words, Paul is saying, as an incredibly mature Christian and apostle and writer of half the New Testament, I haven't arrived yet. I'm still pressing on to become more and more like Jesus. And so that really is what discipleship and following Jesus is all about. It's becoming more like him. And so what we want to develop in this summit journey strategy this year and ongoing from here is this idea of how are you planning to intentionally become more like him this year? And I'm intentionally using the word intentionally. Last year, um, there was a whole bunch of things that happened last year, but one of the things that impacted me last year was the death of Andy Bray. Andy was one of the foundation elders of our church and a good friend, and to lead his funeral was one of the most incredible things, but one of the hardest things for me about 2018. But as I reflected on his life and his legacy and the lessons of his life for me personally last year, the key word that came out of his life was intentional. He just lived an intentional life. And I can remember when Nikki uh, told me that she, uh, they finally managed to break through his passwords and open up his computer. And she found a little spreadsheet that she didn't know he had. But it was simply um, five questions to ask every day, at the end of every day. It was actually seven questions. He had added a couple more. But he was so intentional that at the end of each day, he would sit down and reflect through these seven key questions. Have I really lived a life that's honoured God? And I'm not a big spreadsheet kind of guy, so I'm not going to live life the same way that Andy did. But the intentionality of his life, I really want that to rub off on me. And the truth of the matter is, if we are going to become more and more like Jesus, we're probably not going to drift into that. We're not going to just slip the gears into cruise control and just suddenly a few years down the track find that we're more like Jesus. It's going to take some intentionality. It's going to take some purpose. Um, One church writer, Ed Setzer, has written, God wants us to grow, but without a plan, growth will remain an aspiration instead of a reality. And so the key question then is not, you know, how are you drifting into Christ-likeness? It's how are you planning to intentionally become more like Jesus? And the plan we've come up with, the strategy really behind uh, Summit Journey that we want to share today and begin to flesh out for you, really this whole thing hinges on four key questions. The why, the where, the who, and the how. And so let me just, I'm going to unpack these briefly today, but we're going to actually spend the next couple of months unpacking this strategy and really diving into this a bit more. But this is essentially the four key questions to ask on your journey towards Christlikeness. Question number one is, why do I want to grow in my walk with God? 
So this first question is going after the heart. It's the motivation. Because the truth of the matter is, we can do all of the other stuff that we're going to talk about. We can, we can really um, implement some changes in our lives, and we can intentionally try and do some stuff. But if our heart motivation is wrong, if we're not doing this for the right reasons, if we haven't really understood what God's grace means, if the motivation isn't right, we could actually unintentionally not become more like Jesus, but actually become more like the Pharisees who opposed Jesus. Because the heart is actually incredibly important in this journey towards becoming more and more like Jesus. And so if you imagine this year, a journey from where you are today towards the end goal of Christmas this year being a little bit more like Jesus than you are right now. The first thing to ask before you open the door and set out on this journey is why do I want to do this? I just need to double check my motives and make sure I've got this clear in my mind and the motivation is, is clear so that I'm actually working towards becoming more like Jesus and not more like one of those Pharisees who opposed him. So that's that motivation question, and next week we're going to do a, a, a series called Summit Journey. Next week we're going to delve into the why, and just make sure that we're clear on what our motivation should be in becoming more like Jesus. The second question then that we're going to ask, invite you to ask, in terms of what's your plan to intentionally become more like Jesus, is where? Where do I need to grow in my walk with God? So this is going after the idea of uh, assessment or looking at life and going, where do I need to, to grow? What is it that I need to grow in? How do I need to become more like Jesus? And what part of life? Uh, over the past year, as I've been kind of fleshing this out and developing this, I developed a kind of a, a template or a, a portrait of what, what a, a mature follower of Jesus should look like. And we came up with these seven traits of a growing disciple. We're actually going to take seven weeks in this, uh, these first couple of months to actually walk through this and really get a clear understanding on what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus. To be a mature follower of Jesus means that we are developing a character like Jesus. So the inner heart is more and more reflecting the character of Jesus. It means to have a biblical mindset, to be steeped in God's word. It means to have healthy relationships uh, with other people, the way that Jesus did, where he breathed life into others around him. It means to walk closely with God, heartfelt prayer and worship. It means to be able to just talk about Jesus naturally with other people. It means to be willing to humbly serve the way Jesus did and to be joyfully generous the way that Jesus was. And uh, we've developed this, really, this picture of what a, a mature disciple of Jesus would look like. And so we're going to walk through these seven traits, one at a time, and get a really clear snapshot of this is what we're looking for. This is the end goal, is to grow. And what we're going to invite you to do, the where question is, where do you want to grow this year? Because if we look at that and go, yeah, gee, I need to grow in all of those, um, then we're probably going to grow in none of those. And so the, the invitation's going to be, where do you want to grow this year? So as you look at your life, and you look at that list, and as we kind of teach through each of these and get a, a clear picture of what we're talking about, the, the, the invitation's going to be, pick one. Which area of life, which trait, 
Do you really want to grow in and become more like Jesus in this year? That's, that's the invitation. And that's your discipleship journey. Because the person sitting next to you, the person in front of you, may choose a, a completely different part of life to work on than you. Now, your spouse may choose something completely different to you. Your kids or your parents. And by the way, if you're in, uh, if you're in high school, Alter is going to be journeying on this with us in this first term. And I'm challenging every teenager in our church to take this on just as seriously as the adults. Um, but where are you going to grow? And at the end of uh, this Summit Journey series in the next couple of months, when we get to the end of these seven traits, we're going to be releasing an online assessment tool. It's been developed by uh, a friend of ours in the States, Kevin Harney, who um, he's preached here a few years ago. Um, but Kevin's the pastor of Shoreline Church in California, and he, pre uh, he spoke at our Living Stones conference last year. He's done a lot of work on this, and their church has developed an online assessment tool. And he's given us permission in the Living Stones group of churches that we're part of to take that and to Kiwiize it a little bit and make it available for all our churches. So when we get to the end of the series, we're going to have this online assessment that you can take that'll take a few minutes to do online and it will immediately send you the results and it'll just simply tell you, as you answered questions about all of these things, these are the two areas of your life. These are the two traits that actually you're pretty strong in at the moment. These are your strongest two traits. And these are the three that you're not doing too badly in. And these are the two that really need some work. And you can use that or not use that as you choose to. Um, I've done the, the American version of this online assessment already. And I was actually surprised. Um, one of my two weakest ones, I knew would be one of my weakest ones. But the other one was a complete shock to me. And it's actually been really helpful for me to have done that assessment and then step back and gone, okay, do I feel like what that assessment is telling me, is that true of me? And if that's true of me, what, do, what does that say about where my heart is that I wasn't even aware that I was weak in that area? And what am I going to do? Is that the area that I need to grow in this year? And it may be that when we put this assessment tool up, and I'd encourage everyone to do it and see if it's helpful, it may not be. Um, it may be that you choose to, to go, you know what, I'm going to go after one of those two weak areas. That's going to be the area I want to grow in uh, this year. But it may be that you do the assessment and, and, and you go, you know what, that, that top trait, I actually really want to become even stronger in that area. I'm going to go after that. But this, this idea, this, this journey of, of this year that we're on, that we're embarking on together, the question is, is where do I need to grow? in my walk with God. And the invitation is going to be, as we go through this series over these next couple of months, as we talk about the, the why and the who in a minute and then these seven traits, my invitation is simply going to be for you at the, through the series and at the end as well, is to simply pray, you know, God, where do you want me to grow? And, and then to ask the question, where do I feel that the nudging, the prompting of the Holy Spirit? Where is it that God really wants me to grow this year? You know, and let's not pick three traits or four traits. Um, I would be thrilled if everyone at Summit Church said, right, I've got the, I am just going to try and grow in this part of my journey with God. And if I can become more like Jesus in this part of life this year, that's a win. That's a big, big win. And then next year, I'll go after a different part of life. 
So that's the, that's the invitation. Why do you want to grow? Make sure our, our heart is right. And then where do I need to grow in my walk with God? And then the third key part of this, <clears throat> the third key question to ask is, is who do I need to journey with in this next season? So it's, the first one's the motivation. The second one is assessment. The third one is, is community. Because the fact is that we generally don't journey alone. We don't climb a summit by ourselves. And while we can grow a little bit in our walk with God alone, the, the truth is that we really push start life change and transformation when we are journeying with other people in community. And I'm going to talk more about that in a couple of Sundays' time, but what we're planning to do is break out of the small groups mold. We have offered really just small groups in our church, and we're going to continue to offer small groups. But we're also going to expand the options for community some other ways for those of you who, for whom small groups just maybe don't work uh, because of who you are or the season of life you're in or the job you've got, whatever it is. So we're going to talk about how can you make sure that you are journeying with other people this year and becoming more like Jesus and what does that need to look like. So we'll talk more about those options in a couple of weeks. And then the final one is how will I grow in my walk with God? And, and this is really the idea of resources. And so as we walk through these seven traits of what a disciple of Jesus looks like, and we're continually asking this question, where do I need to grow in my walk with God? Where is the Holy Spirit nudging me to go, <clears throat> right, this is the area that I really want to grow in in life? We're also going to be suggesting resources that you can use. And there may be books, there may be video, there may be um, podcasts, there may be online stuff and right now media, but we'll give a range of different resources that whatever community is going to look like for you this year, whatever um, trait that you're going after and your area of life you really want to grow, and there's some stuff that you can look at, some resources you can use to really grow. So that's Summit Journey. That's where we're going and what we're trying to do. But this is the key question. How am I planning to intentionally become more like Jesus this year. And I really want to invite us to, to make that a key question for our lives this year. This is much bigger and much deeper than a New Year's resolution. This is saying, you know what? Because of what Jesus has done for me, I understand biblically, and this is what we're going to look at next week, that God actually wants to transform me. He invites me in, in, in this amazing grace we sing about to come to Jesus just as I am with all the mess and all the hang-ups and all the sins and all the stuff-ups of my life, to come as you are. But then he offers to take us just as we are but then transform us and help us become more like Jesus. And the reality is for many of us, we drift through so much of life and we just kind of go along and, you know, it would be good to pray and we struggle with some areas and let's be honest, often we just get discouraged as we look at our lives and maybe we look at the zeal we had a few years ago and we look at our lives now and we think, gee, I feel like I've gone backwards, which actually is often a sign that we're more mature and we understand much more than we did back then in our zealousness. And the invitation is to go, hey, let's stop the drift and let's become intentional about becoming more like Jesus, about cooperating with his spirit in us, about walking together in community on this journey and seeing if by the end of this year 
we've actually climbed a summit. We've actually become a little bit more like Jesus in one key area of life so that then the following year we can take up this challenge again and ask the same question once more. How am I going to intentionally become more like Jesus this new year? And so my hope and prayer is that over the years, as we roll out this strategy year after year, that we will be able to look back on our journey through, through life and say, man, I have intentionally grown and God has done some incredible things in helping to shape and mould me to become more and more like Jesus. So that's the goal and that's where we're going. I was reading a, um, an interesting article um, over the summer as I was doing a lot of prep for this year and stuff and it was an article about life change and transformation. And it was talking about the fact of the, 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 the problem of New Year's resolutions. Talking about the fact that about, I don't know, how many millions or billions of people around the world, New Year's comes, whether that's January, whether that's Chinese New Year, whether it's you know, another one. But New Year rolls around and we make all these resolutions. Oh, I'm going to get my fitter. I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to lose weight. I'm going to eat healthier. I'm going to spend more time at home. I'm going to read more books. I'm going to climb a mountain. I'm going to you know, learn to drive a racing car, whatever our New Year's resolution is. And we have these resolutions of, oh, this, this is what I'm going to do. And then normally it's about 10 days later. And, and, and we said we were going to lose weight, but good night, that chocolate muffin just looked so good when you went and got the coffee. Or we were going to go to the gym, and we did go three times last week, and, but this week's just got really busy. Or we said we were going to be home and, and spend more time with the family, but, you know, it's only taken one week back at work, and suddenly, sorry, family, but I'm out again. And this article talks about the gap. The gap between our intentions and reality. And it said the way to bridge the gap is with three key things that come from that word gap. It's goals, allies, and plans. That's exactly what Summit Journey is all about. The goals is the where question. Where are you going to grow and become more like Jesus this year? What's the one area of life that you really want to change in? Allies is the who. Who am I going to walk with this year on this part of my journey who will be able to help me and encourage me and maybe gently hold me accountable as I try and become more like Jesus? And then the plans is the how. How am I going to implement this? How am I going to make little steps and little changes and find some help that as I'm walking with these allies, as I'm going after this area of life, I can get to the end and actually there is reality. I have become just that little bit more like Jesus in response to his grace this year. That's what it's all about. So that's Summit Journey and that's where we're going this year. It's about becoming more like Jesus. It's about becoming a church family that says, you know what, we want to stop drifting. We actually want to be quite intentional. And whatever that's going to look like, and it's going to look different in every single one of our lives because it's your discipleship adventure. It's your discipleship journey. It's, it's where God's taking you and how he's molding you. But if we can do this together, and if we can start asking these key questions and make these plans and bridge that gap, from intention to reality. This could be a significant year in our journey and our pilgrimage with God. So that's what this year is about, Summit Church.
So as we do that, uh, I'm actually going to ask our newest pastoral member, Amelia Smith, to come up and pray for us. Um, Amelia started in our office just a few uh, weeks ago, three weeks ago, as our youth pastor, and we are stoked to have her as part of the team. And actually, she's uh, a key part of the fourth part of our Multiply Vision. You come up. I'm going to keep talking. Um, and actually, while Amelia's coming up, I'm going to ask if there are any of the elders or pastors here, couples, if you guys could come up as well, because I want to commission Amelia at the same time. So elders, pastor, couples. You guys could head up on as well. Thank you. Um, so I said in our Multiply vision, we had three, in the first three years of Multiply, there were a few key things. There was a culture of prayer, there was a growing evangelistic outreach heart, and there was this discipleship pipeline that's now become uh, this journey idea. Um, the fourth key thing that we wanted to do in these next three years was get a few key resources in place ready for the next next part of the Multiply Vision, and the most important one of those was hiring a youth pastor. And so we're stoked that Amelia's joined the team and she's here. And so I've asked Amelia, as our newest pastor in our church, to pray for us as a church as we embark on this journey together this year. But before she prays, we want to pray for her and commission her. So I've actually asked my wife, Rochelle, if she would pray for Amelia on our behalf and so I'm going to ask all of you guys if you would come and gather around Amelia and we're going to lay hands on her. And uh, I'd actually like to ask you to stand as a church family because we're all in this together. And so Rochelle is going to pray for Amelia on our behalf and commission her. And then Amelia is going to pray uh, for all of us as we move forward as Summit Church. So let's pray. God, we want to thank you today for Amelia. We want to thank you for how you have gifted who uniquely gifted her and brought her to this place um, at Summit Church. And um, we just want to come before you now and ask that you would give her complete knowledge of your will, give her spiritual un wisdom and understanding. Mm. We pray that, that she would be strengthened by your glorious power so that she would have all the endurance and patience she needs and just give her joy for the journey ahead. We um, commission her today and thank you for her. In your name. Amen. All right, let's pray for the church, eh? Father God, we, um, we just praise you for the example that you've given us in Jesus. Um, we thank you so much that we have um, someone so perfect and holy to, to follow and to, um, to grow to be like God. Um, so we just pray as Summit Church, God, we just pray that together um, we can intentionally live our lives to be more like you, Jesus. We, um, yeah, we so desire to, to grow in, in grace and humility and love um, as, as you reflect to us, Jesus. So um, would you, I mean, we praise you that you are with us, um, and would you continue to go with us as we, um, yeah, just pursue this journey, this summit journey, God. Um, just help us as we, um, as we reach, well, reach for that summit, God. Um, and yeah, we just praise you for this opportunity. Um, may we be intentional um, and may we, yeah, just together, just come together and um, support each other in this, in this journey, God. Um, we love you and we praise you. Um, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Right, you guys can stay on, on your feet though because the band is now going to come up as these guys exit. The band's coming up and we're going to uh, finish with a couple of songs of worship.
just a couple of things uh, before we just come into this time of worship to finish the service. Uh, number one, I think we're going to finish a few minutes early. So if you have got children down at Summit Kids, if you could just hang here, chat for people for five minutes so we don't run into their time and let them finish their program, that would be really cool. Second thing is a bunch of people are going to be turning up for the second service at 11, okay? And if they walk in and say, what's the new name, what's the new name? Say, you're going to have to wait to find out. All right, can you do that? That would just be really helpful, all right? We just want to take a few minutes, though, to, as we finish this morning, just to come to God and worship. Um, it's one of the key traits of a disciple, is heartfelt prayer and worship. And I want to invite you not only to lift your voices to God today, I want to invite you to lift your hands and lift your hearts and come to Him with your life once more and say, God, I actually want to embrace this. You have done so much for me. I really do want to be more like Jesus by the end of 2019. Would you help me to intentionally grow? to really go after being like Jesus. And so I want to invite you as we move into this time of worship to close the service, to come and offer your life to Him once again as a living sacrifice. Let's glorify Him together.